Welcome back everybody. Before we get to this week's episode, we want to go through some things. First of all, thank you so much for joining us. We saw that most of you guys aren't subscribed, so what you doing? Go ahead and do that. Yeah. It's one button. Just click it. It turns from red to, I think, gray. Once you do that, you'll get notified if you hit the notification bell every time we release a new video. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any other podcast platform, follow us on that. You'll find out when we have new episodes there. Also, a new segment that we're going to start up, we have a hotline. So uh, we typically bring the stories to you guys, but we want to switch it up. We want you to bring your stories to us. Absolutely. So if you have cryptid stories, ghost stories, UFOs, pictures, videos. Do you think the government's watching you? Tell us about it. We'll have that in the description, the number. Um, so give us a call. Send us a text. Don't find us in public. That's weird. Uh, <laughs> And after that, too, we're on social media. We got Instagram. We got Twitter. We got a Patreon if you want to give us some dollars. Other than that, buckle up. We got a fun episode about some UFOs, <laughs> and we'll get right into it. Enjoy the show, guys. everybody welcome back to the acid cat spirit hour i'm the colonel this is caleb Hello. As, as usual we hope you're doing well we're doing okay it's been a fun week it's been uh i guess for us it's been two weeks yep yeah sorry everybody that we missed last week but we had a we had a family emergency that we had to attend to unfortunately but we're back this week we are ready for more things are good we're talking ufos this week very topical. Very it's very topical. topical. Everybody, uh, if everyone, if anybody who listens to this hasn't seen, Eddie Burback put out an absolutely dog shit video about UFOs because he doesn't understand them. He's very afraid of them. He just figured out they're real. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's UFOs are on everybody's mind right now. The 60 Minutes, if you guys haven't seen it, there was a 60 Minutes piece. I'm sure most people have heard by now. Uh, with Lou Elizondo and a few of the other pilots that were, he wasn't one of the pilots, he was an information guy who's been pushing for the clips that the Pentagon declassified last year um, yep. to be released since, you know, 2018. It's when that Tic Tac footage first showed up. So some of the pilots were on that. So, you know, I think it's kind of on everybody's minds. Everybody's sort of thinking about it. So we figured, why don't we bring the Ford Explorers and onto the mothership and then we'll go talk about some aliens because it's one of our favorite things to do. It is. Plus, if you're watching and not just listening, You'll see we have a new addition to the we set. We do. We added some conspiracy, uh, some appropriate conspiracy theories to the wall. Shout out to Cream in Tucson. That's where we got a bunch of these posters from. Great people, good friends. Uh, but yeah, UFOs. I mean, it's today we're talking Texas UFOs. Because uh, when, you know, in the modern age, when you think of UFOs, uh, I think a lot of people think of Joe Rogan or they think of yeah. that sort of thing. So we figured, why don't we talk about some of the UFOs that they've seen in Texas uh, specifically in northern Texas. So today we're going to talk about the Lubbock Lights and we're going to talk about the Leveland UFO incident, both of which um, were subjects or events outlined in Project Blue Book, which yeah. is, we'll do a, I think we're going to, we've talked about it, I think we'll do a series on all the different, that was a, 
that's where the idea of Men in Black came from, mm-hmm. you know. So that was that's a series of UFOs. I mean, there's a History Channel show on it too. So nothing we're doing here is necessarily brand new. You know, these are historical UFO incidences. People know about them. But yeah, Gail, why don't you uh, why don't you tell them a little bit about? Them? Yeah, so we'll start with the smaller of the two, the Lubbock Lights. Uh, the Lubbock Lights were UFOs found in Lubbock, Texas, in 1951. And well, both- they were seen. Well, seen. Not yeah. Found. <laughs> found is a little too little too precise. That's a Roswell kind of. Um, in August and September of 1951, to be specific, uh, it received national publicity. But as we'll get into with both cases, the U.S. Air Force was quick to, no pun intended, swoop in. Yeah. And uh, give some really bad cover-ups. Well, it's funny. Yeah, I think part of the motivation to talk about any of the Project Blue Book cases because of the, you know, the tying to the Men in Black, but the cover-up. Um, you know, we talked about this a little bit before the show today, but it seems like as we get further and further into the the alleged future. UFOs are becoming less and less controversial to admit. You know, we largely cover the paranormal, the mysterious mm-hmm. on the show, whodunits and I don't knows. And what's funny is U- UFOs are almost like getting taken too seriously. We've taken them seriously for a long time, but it's funny to have people doing so frequently now. It's yes. almost like we're not talking about paranormal stuff anymore. <laughs> to, to go with that, uh, uh, about a week ago, um, I posted a picture and tagged you in it, and it was this comic where it was a UFO landing and the alien coming out and coming up to a guy and being like, surprise, I'm real. And the guy's like, yeah. The alien's like, you're not shocked. And he's like, man, I got a lot going on right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, you know, <laughs> that's kind of the, the tenor of things because, you know, part of the reason that it's on everybody's minds is that there's a report that's due this year. Yep. It's due in June. Um, there is, you know, back and forth about when exactly that's it. It was 180 days into the year, so halfway through the year. Yep. So that would technically be June 1st. Now, it could be, um, that report could be delayed probably indefinitely without a lot of pushback. But. Give us our alien report. <laughs> yeah, but it's supposed to come out this year. I just think it's interesting uh, that over time, the governments of the world have become more and more candid about what they don't know. And. The case today, all of the stuff in Texas is so, all of these Project Blue Book cases are all so like, so we think of, you know, a couple of weeks ago we talked about Barry Seal. Yeah. And we outlined Barry Seal as kind of being the CIA, DEA, double agent kind of guy that everybody sort of thinks of that is glamorized on television. Well, these are the UFO cases that are like that. Yeah. And they are so contrasted to nowadays where we have... Obama on TV saying, "Oh yeah, we definitely have seen UFOs." I don't. We none of us really know what they are, and we both sort of agree that it's because it's kind of impossible to keep the lid on the kettle now. Like if these things are out there as we believe that they are, and mm-hmm. as we're we're not now the only ones who believe that they are. Yeah, as we're being proven right that they are. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting now. You know, like everybody's got a cell phone and like a high quality phone. It's very very mm-hmm. difficult to hide or to get rid of a clip once it's on the internet. We know all about that. I mean, yeah. last year taught us all about that. It, it's much harder than in the 50s and 60s when a lot of UFO reports came out where you'd have a small town of 250 people be like, yeah, we saw a UFO, and the government come in and be like, no, you didn't. Okay, yeah. that's where it ends. But now it's like, hey, you have one person that's like, hey, I saw a UFO, and the government comes in, and they say, no, you didn't. They go, cool, 
Not only did I, though, but I took a video of it, and now 30 million people have also seen it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. You know, the r slash UFO is, is yeah. a very, even nowadays, after the 60 Minutes thing, is a very different place these days, you know? It's, it's cool. It's cool to see people open to the idea. It's such an, like... <laughs> I believed in UFOs as a child because I believed in alien life forms. They just mm -hmm. don't believe that we're the only ones. That doesn't mathematically make any sense. Yeah, because, I mean, you got to think of the math here, and I'm not going to get super specific in the numbers. Well, you don't but need to. <laughs> in our solar system, there's one planet that supports life like us. Out of eight, technically nine, but we're not going to get into Pluto. It's nine. I'm a Pluto stan. So am I. So <laughs> we got one planet out of nine that fully sustains life. We can also talk about the satellites that, the satellite planets, the yeah. moons that go around other planets, such as uh, Europa that has supposed life underneath the ice that's in an ice age right now. Well, yeah, that those reports just popped up that there's mm -hmm. it's extremely likely that uh, life will be possible as we know it on Europa. Yes. Um, but that is so one out of nine for our solar system. Do you think Europa is? just hiding in plain sight and while america and russia and china have been rushing to the moon europe the eu collectively has been like no we will colonize an entire planet and they will have no idea and that's <laughs> what they've been doing this whole time europa is actually europe it's the just planet. europe territory <laughs> yeah uh, man there's gonna be so many crooked teeth on that planet uh so that's one out of nine in one solar system yeah. so you think okay whatever that's less than 10 percent chance but then how many solar systems are in our galaxy? Yeah. Hundreds of billions. Dude, it's just impossible. It's And then how many galaxies are there in the known the known universe? Hundreds of billions. Absolutely. Like it's and it's it's illogical to think looking around at the different types of species of animals we have on our own planet, the incredibly uh, like vibrant differences. You're, we're constantly finding new animals and even just across mammals, right? Yeah. Look at the difference across all the mammals from we and dogs, we're in the same species, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we are... <laughs> we're in the same species. We're both canines. It's not what I meant to this say. This is where you find out that he's a furry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to bring out the suit. TMG, as they got their fursuits. Um, no, yeah, but you know that we're all mammals. It, it makes sense that... There's got to be enough biodiversity to support. Like, look at some of that stuff in the ocean. <laughs> we haven't even fully discovered our own planet. Yeah. And yeah. the life that lives on it. And we're like, no, nah, there's not life other places. We don't even know if there's life deep in the ocean on yeah. our own planet because we're too scared to explore it. We can't even really uh, figure out if Sasquatch is real. I don't know yeah. how much we're like super duper no. know what stranglehold <laughs> we have on all of the understanding of the life on this planet. I, I like be like... No, nah, there's not life on other planets. Anyways, look at this cool new rare bird that we found that turned out to just be a seagull covered in curry powder. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, going back to the Lubbock Lights and going back to Texas, it's a yeah, it's an event that inspires a lot of the conspiracy nuts. And like when you think of it, it is, you know, black fedoras and the trench coats cuz that is that is actually what happened there. Yeah. So, the Lubbock Lights, of course, Lubbock, Texas. Yep. Um, the first sighting was reported by three professor, uh, professors. Professors. <laughs> professors. I'm, I'm dealing with some very serious allergies, so Don't I will apologize. Don't um, you? I'm very congested and real weird right now. Uh, I love NyQuil. <laughs> so, uh, Texas Tech College, now Texas Tech University, on August 25th, around 9, p 9 p.m., 
they were sitting in the backyard of one of the professor's homes when they saw 20 to 30 lights in a V formation or a U formation, or if you actually talk to one of the professors, a boomerang formation. Yeah. Which I'm like, okay, man, there are w- way many other like descriptions than boomerang. That's just an angle. Well, what else is shaped like that? A V? I, I, well, but, I mean, if you're thinking about it the other way, yeah. the rock nation. <laughs> uh, so... He said that there are 20 to 30 lights, as bright as stars, but larger in size, flying overhead. And they're all three professors, so they're all educated and level-headed. Well, depending on what kind of professors they were, they might have been really stoned. (laughs) They're philosophy professors in 51. Yeah. They're like, man, I can't wait until two siblings make a movie that we can just show for three days in class. That's what my <laughs> philosophy professor did, just showed us the Matrix. <laughs> that's so... That's, that's, a, that's not... I don't have... Moving on. But they were looking at it, and they were like, no, that's not meteors. There's no way that could be meteors. Well, you'd be able to tell, you know? Yeah. We, anybody who's seen a meteor shower, you know, like, they don't fall they're holding bigger hands. They're Yeah, they're yeah. not in formation... And as they were standing there being God like... God damn, that'd be scary though, huh? You saw a bunch of asteroids falling in formation? They were sitting there talking. They were like, could not be meteors. That was too uniform. They were too big. They were too bright. As they're sitting there talking it, a second similar sized group flies overhead again. <laughs> You're like, definitely. I like to think they were mm-hmm. sitting there. And as everyone who listens to this podcast knows, I like to think... Uh, Sitting there just bullshitting with each other, and they're like, "Damn, what was that, man? I wish we had another." Dr- oh shit, there it is again. I wish we could see it again. You know, collect more debt. Oh shit. Oh. <laughs> um, I wish I had a million dollars. So the three professors. These are some great names, by the way. Uh, for each three, we only have their first initials and last name. Like a true professor. Uh, A. G. Obert. Okay. Or Oberg. My bad. Uh, he was a chemical engineer. W. L. Ducker. He was a department head and petroleum engineer. Okay. And W.I. Robinson, a geologist. <laughs> so they're a bunch of oil boys. Yes. Yeah. Which makes sense for Texas. The yeah. plains of Texas. Yeah, but yeah, especially West Texas. I mean, that's all West Texas is. Flatland, jails, and or oil pumps. And so they reported their sightings to the local newspaper, the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. And while uh, the journal was talking about it, another guy, Jerome Clark, who was a UFO author... Found out that three other women reported... Is a UFO author? Yes. That's an interesting... A UFO author in the 50s? Yes. He was in on the ground floor. Uh, he, he got in at five cents. <laughs> uh, three women in Lubbock also reported that they observed peculiar flashing lights in the sky the same night. And another Texas Tech professor, uh, Carl Heminger, who was a German professor. Okay. Uh, so... Not only was it these three dudes chilling in the backyard, you had three separate ladies also say they saw it, and another one of their co-workers at a different spot. Do you think he was invited? <laughs> They're like, Dude, that would be invite Carl? It would be very awkward to not invite a co-worker to a function, but then for you all to have seen a UFO together. Because Carl comes rushing up and he's like, guys, you'll never believe what I saw over the weekend. I saw UFOs. And they're like, yeah, we did... <laughs> we did too and he's like what do you mean we and he's like well we kind of had a cookout um we were gonna invite you i'm sorry man and he's like 
yeah, whatever, man. Yes, yeah, UFOs, it's fine. <laughs> and like, while the UFO was flying over him, he was like, just take me. Just take me. I'm <laughs> yeah, so lonely. Yeah, the second time, he's like, please, will you invite me? <laughs> Throws a rock at him. That's no good. Um, so That's then, not it. That's a terrible German accent. September 5th, 1951. Yep. Um, all three of the professors again. Uh, sadly, not not Carl, once again. Uh, Carl was not invited. He might have been. It doesn't say. Carl's not invited. But it says, along with two other professors from Texas Tech, so maybe they bonded. Maybe no. they bonded after this. No, they, they said, didn't. They brought, in two Carl. More, they brought in two more people and not Carl. Um, we're sitting in Robinson's front yard when the lights flew overhead again. Uh, according to one of the professors, uh, one of the second auxiliary professors they invited, Grayson Mead, the lights appeared to be about the size of a dinner plate and were greenish-blue and slightly fluorescent in color. They were similar to that of the full moon at the horizon. There were about a dozen to fifteen of these lights. They were absolutely circular. It gave us all an extremely eerie feeling. <laughs> I honestly think it would be more eerie if they weren't circular. Because, like, you know, we take in all faint lights as circular. Yeah, it's just know? the way our eyes are set up. Yeah. Unless you have astigmatism, and then they're pointy. <laughs> yeah, like I do. Yeah, then everything looks like a sunburst. But, uh, no, imagine if, you know, if you saw... It's one thing to see an incredibly bright... I mean, I'm probably... <laughs> all of this would be scary. But yeah. it would be something to see an incredibly bright light floating through the woods just on its own. But imagine if it was square. Like, I mean... You know, look at, there's a number of instances where triangles are used mm -hmm. as, like, a intimidating shape, especially, like, an inverted triangle. And, and all it is is a triangle, but it's because it, you It's know, angular. Well, and it's, it's there's precision to it, right? Like, yeah. we know that organically things don't exist like that. It's why you find people that will dig through, you know, in the, in the ancient aliens world that will dig through, you know old ruins and be like, well, because this is perfectly cut, there's no way that was possible, that sort of thing. Which I don't necessarily agree with that, but I understand yeah. why it would be, and I think that would be scarier. Mm -hmm. You're just sitting out there and they were there these perfect square lights. Yeah. What if you were looking up and just 15 just like swirls? <laughs> or, or like, what if in an effort to stop scaring the humans they're like listen we keep doing flybys and we're just scaring the shit out of those guys smiley faces yeah <laughs> just like just 15 smiley, smiley emojis, emojis. <laughs> 15 eggplant emojis took off in the sky <laughs> fuck <laughs> so this is funny mead claimed that the lights could not have been birds but he also stated they went over so fast that we wish we could have had a better look. Well, yeah. Well, you should have stuck should have been there the, the first time. time. Yeah. Well, this was. Well, that's what I mean. That, yeah, because yeah. it came by. That's a, sorry. Yeah, that's a little confusing. Uh, so the UFO author Jerome Clark wrote that the professors observed one formation of lights flying above a thin cloud at about two thousand feet, which he said allowed them to calculate the lights were traveling at over six hundred miles per hour. See, but in terms of UFOs, that's relatively slow. Yeah. But if you remember, uh, so we have a really great episode, we think anyway, uh, about a series of UFO encounters that happened in Montana, Wyoming, and the Dakotas mm -hmm. around UFO, or um, sorry, nuclear missile sites, which is going to come up today too. So in some of those uh, stories, one of them that we talked about was a dogfight that happened over North Dakota. Yeah. And that was a case where a pilot in a P-51 Mustang was chasing what he saw as a UFO, and, and he said he couldn't keep up, up with it. Which would be about as fast as this was yep. going. Not to be... I mean, I know they're professors and they calculated the speed, but who knows? There's very little ways you can... 
Plus the, tic, you know, not to go back to the Tic Tac, but it's going to come up a lot today because as we're seeing more about UFOs, we're also getting a significantly more consistent narrative and picture of what these crafts are. Because as we go back, egg shaped. yeah, the reason that Caleb and I like to talk about some of the older ones is because there's a certain, I think it's good to go back and revisit them now, knowing what we know, mm -hmm. because now that we've done so, like in the Battle of the Big Sky in Montana, that UFO design, this egg-shaped, glowing, multicolored thing, shows up all the time. It showed up during the Vietnam War, uh, which we'll probably talk about at some other time. It shows up tonight as well in Leveland. So it's interesting to me the consistency, but that Tic Tac is described, it's, you know, it's the same as the Tic Tac that the pilots saw, at least the description matches, and the way that it flies matches. So... Mm. I mean, th at that point, it's going 600 miles an hour, but with the Tic Tac, it can, it goes 3,000 miles an hour, stops, is capable of going 10,000 miles an hour in another direction. Like, who knows? Yeah. Yeah, with the propulsion, because we don't, you know, we don't know we what's don't driving know. the ship. Yeah. Sorry, continue. So, the thing is, right now, we only have eyewitness reports. Yeah. So, where's the proof? Where's yeah. the proof in the pudding? Well, the proof in the pudding is the heart photographs. Yeah, we got lucky with this one. It's sort of like, uh, again, we talked about it in Montana, but the marinara accident. <laughs> it's a marinara accident. Accident. Jeez, listen to me. No, the, the Thousands of gallons of marinara flooded the city, <laughs> drowning millions. The Mariana incident, which was one of the earliest UFOs caught on film by Nick Mariana, the coach of the local baseball team, which are still called the Voyagers, by mm -hmm. the way, named after that that instance but you know it's we're lucky every once in a while somebody runs and grabs a camera yeah yeah sorry tell, so tell me about the hard photos so on august 30th 1951 uh this being of course five days after the first sighting of the three professors yeah and six days before the second sighting of the five when they forgot to invite carl again <laughs> um another carl carl hart jr who was a freshman at texas tech saw 18 to 20 white lights in a v formation fly overhead he was at his parents house and he took a 35 millimeter kodak camera and walked to the backyard of his parents house to see if the lights would return and he's like well if they come back i'm ready lucky to him they came back twice they flew overhead two more times Hart captured five photos before they disappeared and he had them developed he took them to the office of the lubbock avalanche journal um jay harris the editor he was like I'll buy him for 10 bucks and put him in the paper. Uh, <laughs> Get me pictures of Spider-Man. He said, but if they're fake, I'll run you out of town. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, the photographs were reprinted in the newspaper and republished all around the nation and in Life magazine. Yeah, I'll put them on the screen here while we're talking. Uh, and the physics laboratory at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio analyzed the photos. And they said, well... The heart photos were never proven to be a hoax, but they were also never proven to be genuine. Well, yeah, but that's, I mean, that's such a, that's the same fallacy that, like, you know, QAnon believers used. Because they're like, well, you haven't proven that it's not true. You can't prove that it's real because you'd have to prove the craft. You'd have to go get it yeah. and be like, yep, here it is. This is what's in the photo. It's I think what you'd want to look for is adulterants, right? What I would look for is any sort of doctoring, right? Like yeah. any sort of exposure doctoring, stuff like that. And if that looks authentic, then there's not... But again, the 50s, what are you going to do? Uh, now we look at it and it's on 60 Minutes and the, yeah. the government's like, yeah, we don't know what it is either. Then again, I think... And again, we talked a little bit at the beginning about why or 
that there was more cover-up, but we didn't necessarily explain why we'd think there would be. I just think it was easier to control, and I think the government was optimistic about learning more sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, we This is for a different time. Caleb and I have an overall theory about why we think aliens visit us to begin with, but a lot of the... A lot of the um, the visitations, the witnessing, the sightings and stuff, they amp up way after the Second World War. Yes. Like, way. You know, Roswell was right at the end of the Second World War, and, like, it just keeps going. So, I have a feeling that there could be something related to that. Uh, my favorite thing that debunks the heart photographs are the professors themselves. Okay, the oil boys? Because, yes, they looked at the pictures and they're like, now what we saw was more of like a U-shape or like a boomerang shape, and this is more of a V. (laughs) It's literally what they said. It's It's the wrong angle. They're like, it's too sharp, this was more like... Did they say it was too obtuse? They're like, this concept's too obtuse. They said, no, no, that's a cute UFO. The Air Force, some of the things they said about this was really funny. Them tying up loose ends. We'll talk about the second um, case, too. The Air Force had things to say about the second case as well. And the Air Force always has something to say about it, and it's always the most dog shit awful <laughs> cover. They don't even put work in. It's like, it's the first thing that comes to mind. What do you think causes this? Hungry dogs. What? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I, well, I don't know. Um, so, <laughs> the Air Force, um, when they were investigating it as part of Project Blue Book, Yep. He, the guy who's in charge of it, Edward J. Ruppel, um, he came to Lubbock and he was like, well, you know, I know exactly what caused this. It's, uh, it's these types of birds. They're called plovers. Yeah, plovers. <laughs> and everyone's like, what? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got these new vapor streetlights and uh, migrating plovers were reflecting the streetlights off of their bellies. To that's the most silly asinine uh, possible. See, that's such a it was swamp gas. It was a weather balloon. Like at least the experimental weather balloon thing kind of makes sense. That's just the most. I mean, I guess it's probably not the most nonsense thing we're going to come up with today on this episode because they did this a couple times. But come on, yeah. What do you think? So he he goes on to say, well, you know, T. E. Snyder, a local farmer who on August thirty first of fifty one. Observes birds flying overhead a drive-through movie theater. Uh, their bellies were reflected in the light. Another pair of witnesses, Joe Bryant and his wife, on August 25th, saw groups of lights flying overhead. And when the third groups of light passed, they overheard. Uh, they began to circle, and they heard the sounds of birds, the plovers. But it's just like. Dude, I don't believe that at all. No. It's not the reflective belly of a bunch of birds. Fly- like. I understand that that seems like a convenient excuse because it's like, oh, well, that flies in a boomerang slash V shape, whatever, you know, but it's, that's nonsense. There's no way that it was, because if that was the case, this would be like a natural observed phenomenon. Mm -hmm. I've seen, I've seen bioluminescence in nature. Um, These are things that like people understand. We recognize the plover has never been seen as an iridescent bird that, you know, yeah. 3M isn't using its wing oil to create some sort of top, topical tape for construction workers. I just think that that is a loose-ass fucking excuse. Like, a bunch of birds. You think that three engineers, like, one of them was a geologist. Not a biologist, but he's a geologist. You know, yeah. he's got an idea of what's in nature. I don't think he's gonna go, yeah, that was definitely a bunch of birds. 
So it's funny you say that. <laughs> J.C. Cross, the head of Texas Tech's biology department, when Ruppelt came to uh, investigate and talk to the professors who did see the lights, he was also a game warden, and he was interviewed by Ruppelt, and he was like, no, those can't be birds. Yeah, there's no way those. There's no birds. way those are birds. Uh, Mead, who had observed the lights, also disputed the plover explanation. He quote said, "These objects were too large for any bird. I have, uh, I have had enough experience hunting, and I don't know any bird that could go this fast. We could not be able to hear to have gone as fast as this to be birds. They would have been exceedingly low to disappear quite so quickly. Yeah, well, they can't. They they calculated them as going 600 miles an hour." Mm -hmm. Not that fast for a UFO, fast for a plane, incredibly fast for a plover. Yes. Like, how was this a magnetically powered plover, you know? Oh, to quickly go back to what I was talking about before, I just think that the U.S. government, the reason that they they thought they were going to learn more about aliens, so mm -hmm. they were like, okay, well, we'll keep a lid on it. Yeah. And then if we do learn anything, we'll have all that power for when we go to war again. And then I just think that hasn't happened. Yeah. And now there isn't, you know, this is only... 60, 70 years later, it, this isn't a lot of time later. People that were alive then are still alive now. So, you know, I, I think it's reasonable for the government to have been like, well, I bet we can tell them it was a bunch of birds. Because if you tell them it was a bunch of birds, we'll figure out what it was and see if we can use it. Because yeah. if you listen to Bob Lazar or any of those types, the technology that has been recovered from extraterrestrial craft is being studied for the purpose of of us reusing it yeah and we can't we and don't it, understand it. yeah like he said the energy technology we don't understand how to use it and i mean <laughs> if you put yourself in the u.s government's situa uh situation right put them in your shoes you end up uh it's like a vulture from spider-man yeah you end up with all this leftover technology from this alien and you're like well i could give it away or I could figure out what it is because it's an alien thing. Mm -hmm. So the likelihood that it's significantly more advanced than here. And I think the more we get into the future, the more advanced we become, the less attractive those things become. Yeah. Well, just like uh, District 9, where they have all the alien technology and weapons and stuff, and they're trying to figure out how to use it. Yeah, the prawn. You have to have a prawn and arm to You have it. to have a prawn arm, and they're making prawns shoot cows and other prawns. And yeah. Trying to dissect them and make skin grafts and stuff like that. Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but the chief photographer for the Avalanche Journal, the Lubbock Aval Avalanche Journal, William Hams, <laughs> took several nighttime photos of bird flying over <laughs> the street Billy Hams. What a great name. Good old Bill Hams. Um, <laughs> he started taking nighttime photos of birds flying over the streetlights and could never duplicate Hart's photos. Yeah, yeah. And because it wasn't birds. Yes. But Rupert um, later wrote, this is the most U.S. government not answering questions thing I've ever read. <laughs> so this was his final report. They were not birds, refracted lights, or spaceships. They were positively identified as a very commonplace and easily uh, explainable natural phenomenon. It is very unfortunate that I can't divulge exactly the way the answer was found because it is an interesting story of how a scientist set up complete instrumentation to track down the lights and how he spent several months testing theory after theory till he finally hit upon the answer. Telling the story would lead to his identity and in exchange for his story, I promised the man complete anonymity. But he fully <laughs> convinced me that he had the answer 
and after hearing hundreds of explanations of UFOs, I don't convince easily. And that man's name was Albert Einstein. <laughs> that's just so nonsense. Like, that's not... You're protecting a guy? You're protecting said, a scientist who was magically tracking these lights? He said, listen, we know also, what Also, what phenomenon? So, <laughs> the only thing I could equate it to is if we go a little further south in Texas, we get the Marfa lights. Yes. And now the Marfa lights are pretty well known. We could definitely do an episode on those all by ourselves. I've seen them uh, from the viewing station. But there's a lot of discrediting that's been put towards the Marfa lights. Um, the official scientific stance is that... <sighs> You know, like when you look at the hot sidewalk and you see the little lines coming yeah, like up that oasis. mirage, the yeah. oasis mirage. Yeah. So the 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 claim with the Marfa lights is that it is um, basically light is getting caught in that mirage, and there's such a significant change in temperature. And in that area, temperature changes throughout the day of forty to fifty degrees are relatively common. So that's I mean it fits the bill. But the claim is that in that specific mirage is where we're seeing those lights mm -hmm. i mm, now i don't know where those are coming from i know that you can see the headlights off the freeway from the viewing platform and they sort of look like alleged marfa lights um but that's the closest we get to something like this in terms of the government saying you know when i think of like swamp gas or i think of like that sort of excuse they've used the same thing for the marfa lights and the marfa lights get described as being exclusively that or just being a hoax yeah but the marfa lights have been seen the people who accuse them of being a hoax say that well you know you can see headlights or whatever from the freeway and people have tested it and that's true except that the claims of seeing these lights goes back to the 19th century 18th century so eh, some of these well, things those are horse headlights yeah those are the horse lanterns that were totally real and definitely small fires would, yeah wouldn't yeah, it's a small fire i don't know why we're so burpy today sorry everybody well they don't know i'll edit all the burps out <laughs> Yeah, maybe that'll be the post-credit scene. <laughs> Me talking about being burpy. Sorry, continue. So that was the Lubbock lights. Yeah, uh, we're and gonna, the Marfa lights. And the Marfa lights. Marfa lights sound like dude. Marfa lights sound like cigarettes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why aren't there Marfa brand cigarettes? Give me a uh, that green pack there. Yeah, the Marfa lights. Marfa lights sound like the cigarettes that they would sell at a Meow Wolf store. Like yeah. a Mega Mart probably sells Marfa lights. Um, so we're gonna go a little, little bit. A little bit northwestern more. But just a tiny bit. Uh, we're not really out of the immediate area. We're going to go ahead from... So we were in 1951. Now we're going to 1957. Correct. So we're we're jumping up and over and in six years into the future. Yes. Yeah. So this is the Leveland UFO case. Yep. One of the most impressive and infamous cases in UFO history. Yeah, well, and that's why, you know, the tone of cover-up today is leveling. Now, we saw it with the Lubbock lights. We saw them come in and give a really... We kind of wanted to tell that story because it's a good... Uh, I think it's like a good appetizer to the government sliding in and doing their best to cover up with a really garbage mistake mm -hmm. to give a, a nice bit of precedent. But the Leveland case is wild because Leveland is a town of 10,000 people. And... With the Lubbock lights, you saw a number of uh, very qualified people claim to have seen something that normally very qualified people don't claim to have seen. Yes. What we have in Leveland is that, except it was everybody. Yeah. Everybody saw it. Yes. Uh, and it's a city. I mean, not all 10,000 of the people in the city, but these sightings happened for hours over the course of the city. Pretty much everybody saw it. Mm -hmm. That's We're talking hundreds and hundreds of witnesses. Yeah, so... 
this occurred. Who all have the same story, by the way. Yes, late in the evening of November second, and then rolling into early in the morning of November third in nineteen fifty seven. Uh, Loveland, Texas, just west of Lubbock. Like you said, 10,000 people lived in this town, and almost every one of them saw this. Yep. What did they see? Well, let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it started with two farm workers, right? Yeah, so there's no set time because this is the first phone call that came into the police office. Wasn't really paying attention, so he didn't write down the time, but... It's estimated to be about eight thirty, nine o'clock. Yeah. Um, PM. Two, yeah. In in the evening of November second, uh, two immigrant farm workers, uh, Pedro Cesedo and Joe Salaz, were driving. They were about four miles west of Leveland. So keep that in mind. Four miles west of Leveland, when they saw a blue flash of light near the road, um, as they approached it, their engine started to die. The light started to go out, and a rocket slash egg shaped object rose up and approached the truck so as they were going towards it they saw this light their truck dies stalls just straight up dies and this object comes closer to them um as it gets closer Cesedo jumped out of the truck and hit this is quote i jumped out of the truck and hit the dirt because i was afraid i called to joe but he didn't get out <laughs> the thing passed directly over my truck with great sound and a rush of wind it sounded like thunder and my truck rocked from the flash I felt a lot of heat. Yeah, well, he the yeah in an interview that Sacido did, he uh, claimed that it started to shake the truck and it started to heat up. And th what that immediately reminded us of is in Great Falls, mm -hmm. a few years later, there would be an instance right outside of town where a truck driver had an egg-shaped orb that was blue and then eventually turned silver, turned yellow, and turned orange that was incredibly hot that caused his truck to stop running and... And incredibly loud. Yeah, and he... Go watch that episode after this one, but he or listen to it. But he calls the police officer, or he has somebody call a cop. He's like, "Go, go to town, go get a cop. I'm gonna go investigate." Yep. And it was a terrible idea. He got hurt. Um, so they call in to the police station... Uh, the police officer working was A.J. Fowler. Um, he gets it. He's like, yeah, whatever. What are you telling me? And Pro like, skater. We were talking about it earlier. A.J. Fowler sounds like some kind of name. Pro skater. It does sounds sound like, like a pro, pro skater. skater. <laughs> um, so he calls in. He said, you know, oh, well, also, I forgot to mention, when the egg-shaped craft left, the truck started back up completely normal. Yep. Um, so he called in to the cop. And the cop, Fowler, thought it was a joke and ignored it until an hour later, a uh, motorist by the name of Jim Wheeler called in and was like, hey, I was just driving four miles east of Loveland. So that's four miles west. Now we're four miles east. He's like, and there was this thing. It was a brightly lit egg-shaped object about 200 feet long sitting in the road blocking my path. And as I got close to it, my car died. I got out of the car. When I got out of the car and approached it, it took off and its lights went out. And as it took off, my car restarted from behind me and worked normally from that. And so, <laughs> Fowler's like, um, <laughs> all right. So, he had to this happened. Was pranking him. And then an hour later, a guy with the similar story on the complete other side of town also calls me says this thing happened he's like 
weird. What's going on? Hangs up the phone, sitting there. 10.55? So if we estimate that the first one happened at like 8.30, the second one happens at 9.30, we could even say 9 and 10. This is, again, almost an hour later, 10.55 p.m. A married couple driving northeast of Leveland. So we had west, we had east, now we're northeast. We're driving down the road when they saw a bright flash of light moving across the sky. When they saw it, their headlights and their radio died for three seconds. So they called that in. They were like, hey, we were driving northeast, something <laughs> zipped past. Dude, this guy at this point has got to be like, either I'm getting really slowly pranked or something big is happening. <laughs> um, and he's like, yeah, uh, something zipped by, our headlights went out and our radio went out, but the car didn't fully die. All right, thanks for calling. Hangs up. Five minutes later, Jose Alvarez. Hello? Yeah, um, I was driving 11 miles north of Leveland, and there was an object just sitting on the road, real bright, real flashy. As I got closer to it, my engine died, and it took off. And when it took off, my car restarted and has been fine since. At this point, he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Hangs up. Somebody calls it. He's like, let me guess. You were driving south of town. You saw a giant glowing egg. You got close. Car died. Flew away. Car started. Have a nice day. So <laughs> at 12.05, so that last one was at 11. So this is 12.05, an hour later, a Texas Tech student named uh, Newell Wright called. He said, hey, I was driving 10 miles east of Leveland, <laughs> and my car began to sputter. And the ammeter on the dash jumped to discharge and then went back to normal. And the motor started cutting out like I was out of gas. And I looked up and as my car rolled to a stop and the headlights dimmed and then went out, I got out of my car and there was a hundred foot long egg-shaped object sitting in the road. And as soon as I saw it, it took off and my engine started back up. It has worked fine since. And he's like, Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> Hangs up. Ten minutes later, 12.15, Fowler received another call, this time from a farmer named Frank Williams. He said, hey, I was driving. And he's like, Jesus Christ. He's like, yeah, I was driving, and there was this brightly glowing object sitting on the road. And as I approached it, my lights went out, and my motor stopped. And it flew away, and you're never going to believe this. And Fowler said, let me guess, your car's lights and motors started working again? And he's like... Yeah, no way. How'd you find out? He's like, because your number, your caller number 10. Congratulations, you won. And then at 1245, there was another call from Ronald Martin. And at 115, James Long called. They both <laughs> reported seeing a brightly lit object sitting in the road in front of them. And as they got closer, their engines and headlights died until the object flew away and their cars restarted themselves. <laughs> so he said, are you, are you sensing a trend here? At this point, Fowler has the whole police force on it. He's like, guys, something's going up. Several Cleveland police officers were investigating reports. Among them was Sheriff Weir Klim, who saw a brilliant red object moving across the sky at 1.30. And at 1.45, Cleveland's fire chief, Ray Jones, saw an object. He was driving his car, went to go investigate it. You're never going to guess what happens. <laughs> As he got close... 
His vehicle's light and engine sputtered. It'd be really funny if he radioed in and he'd be like, what's going on down there? Well, you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> I You're would. You're never going to believe it. It's your cousin. Your cousin, Ray Jones. Alex, it's your cousin. You know that new thing you've been looking for? Listen to this. And it's just... This is how we got Alex Jones. The aliens were like, get the fuck out. You think... I was going to say, you think anybody's ever been abducted but then bounced? Probably. I think if there's Yeah, if there's one human that's ever been abducted that was 86th from getting... He gets... Alex Jones gets abducted, and he's like, you guys aren't real aliens. The real aliens would have turned me into a gay frog. And they're like, can we get this dude off the fucking ship? What is wrong with this guy? Yeah, imagine abducting a human who's just like, what if... <laughs> what if humans get abducted all the time and the only ones who are like I was abducted are ones who they were like mm. the cool ones they wipe their memory the crazy <laughs> ones are like this dude's fucking crazy just drop him off no one's no gonna one's believe. gonna believe him <laughs> Travis Walton's like I fucked an alien everyone's like sure you did Trav sure you did get back in the truck we think you killed everybody you work with <laughs> Alex Jones is like so when you gonna touch my butt and they're like <laughs> Get the fuck off of our ship, dude. He's shirtless. <laughs> Put his shirt back on. They look over the before and after picture of his super, like, yeah. stupid... Of his nootropics. His yeah. nootropics, where it's, like, before, and it's him shirtless, and then after, it's him shirtless, but just slightly more red. <laughs> that was him before and after getting abducted by aliens getting kicked off the ship. So... Listen, we've got a trend here, right? Yeah, we... so during the night, they received 15 different reports. <laughs> and uh, Identical my... reports. Identical reports. And my favorite thing is A.J. Fowler, Officer A.J. Fowler. Again, in a town of 10,000 people, 15 called in and yeah. said the exact, including one of them was the dude's cousin who was a cop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of them was the chief of police. Yeah. And another one was the chief of the fire station. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, no. They were like, no, we saw it, dude. Yeah, no, we got you it. You wouldn't believe it. So I was driving the fire truck up. <laughs> dude, that's all that everyone in the town talked about. And it sucked because it was a shared experience. Yeah. And they're like, hey, what have you been up to? Well, you're never going to believe it. The other day I was driving and he's like, yeah, I know. You saw something. It was sitting on the road in your truck stop. That's literally like a meet and greet. I like to think that German Carl from the 1950s or from the early 50s from 52 in Lu with the Lubbock Lights was living in Levelant, moved out like a week previous and was like, oh, come on. He just Shiza. keeps missing him. Yeah. Um, but Fowler's they show up and they're like, hey, Car Carl's not here, is he? Sick. Aliens are here. They're, they're just pranking Carl. The aliens are pranking. They're like, we're going to fucking get this guy. We're going to make sure everyone around him sees aliens except him. Just gaslighting this guy. He's into the crazy it. one for not seeing aliens. Hey, Carl, you see the aliens last night? No, I didn't see aliens last night. Weird, because literally everyone else in town saw the aliens last night. What were you doing? Listening to the radio because it's the 50s? This is why we don't invite you to anything. Oh, let me guess, you don't believe uh, aliens. Weird thing to teach German ten years after the Holocaust, dog. That's a weird thing to do. Jesus. That's why we don't invite you to things. We're pretty sure you're a Nazi. <laughs> yeah, it's just too soon to be German. Do you think there was a period where it was too soon to be German? <laughs> do you think, yeah, like, right after World War II, people were like, oh, so where are you from? And they're like, not Germany. <laughs> Okay, weird thing to say. Where are you from then? Um, what were the good guys? Uh, Paris? <laughs> from Paris. I have a cold. That's why my accent doesn't sound like French, but... 
That's fucking funny. <laughs> Poland. I'm from Poland. Yeah. Uh, but he said that everyone who called was very excited. <laughs> well, yeah, of course they were. They were probably thrilled. They were like, man, did you see? And, and again, he by then had to be like, yes, I know. It's exciting. UFO eggy thing. Uh-huh. I know. So that is what happened. Now we get into the Air Force coming in with Project Blue Book. Yeah, let's talk about the Air Force's beautiful cover-up of this one. <laughs> so they sent a group to investigate uh air force sergeant was sent to leveland spent seven hours in the city investigating the incident short amount of time yeah man just seven hours i've spent more That's not time even a whole day at work no i've spent more time playing magic than <laughs> this guy investigated an entire city in a single go in my defense one round of com- or one game of commander is about seven hours so. <laughs> <laughs> especially if you play with brian where he takes so long to figure out his turns. <laughs> it's not that important. You might just lose this one. Or you make a weird infinite loop thing like he did last night. And he's like, yeah, I just make infinite creatures. You don't understand the game, Brian. <laughs> he understands it too much. So he <laughs> investigates three of the eyewitnesses, uh, Sesedo, Wheeler, and Wright. Yep. And he was like, were there thunderstorms earlier that day? And they're like, yeah, I think so. And he goes, all right, guys, so it was thunderstorms. I also think it's very telling that they intentionally, of all of the people involved, including the chief of police and of the fire department, the only people that they interviewed were the immigrant farmers. And, you know, like, it just seems really easy for them to discredit their accounts. Yes. You know, it would have been so easy to be like, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. The three people they interviewed was an immigrant farmer, a guy who was just driving through, and a college student. Incredibly easy to discredit all of those people. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So, they were like, well, you know, it was probably ball lightning or St. Elmo's fire. Yeah, and would you like to explain to everybody what St. Elmo's fire actually is? St. Elmo's fire is... Other than the show in which almost every modern TV show's universe... They're all, you know that? Yeah. You know the thing about, because the kids, it's all made up in the autistic kid's head? Yeah. yeah. So, St. Elmo's Fire is a weather phenomenon um, where plasma is discharged in the sky. And it was typically a thing that happened with boats on the ocean. Because the salt water, of course, caused a lot of this plasma charge to build up. Think about friction. Yeah, absolutely. Rubbing your feet on a carpet. And what happened is it would get discharged from any rod-like object... Well, what rod-like object do you have on a boat? You have the masts. Yep. But also, it can happen on spires, chimneys, or even sicker, which I've seen a video once, animal horns. Oh, that's cool. So I, I've seen... A, like I, a yak or something? I don't remember where it was. I probably will take me a while to find it if I can, but it was a longhorn steer. Oh, cool. And there's just like... It was in Texas. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the video. Uh, but it looked like fire, like he had a crown of fire, almost like Hellboy. Interesting. Because it was doing this plasma charge. Huh. But what it does is it lets it off. There's a blue or purple glow. Yeah, plasma. Because um, it's plasma, there's a hiss or buzzing sound, and it's proportional to the strength of the electric field. That way... If it's a small one, it does a little like a How little buzzy. How the fuck would that happen in this small Texas town? Exactly. Like, there's not enough. Or were they dragging potato sacks behind their cars as they were driving down the street? You know what I mean? And why well, did they in kill this their small cars? Small town. There was a revolutionary 
uh, inventor named by, I'm going to make up a name, Joey Bag of Donuts, <laughs> who was like, guys, rubber is too expensive. Let's replace all of our tires with leftover reams of carpet. Yeah, we'll just use carpet rolls. <laughs> It'll be fine. No one will get statically shocked. Yeah, and then the other one is ball lightning. So we we sort of skipped over how that's bullshit, but it's just absolutely bullshit. That's not what happened. And then, uh, because it, it, it just isn't. It wouldn't cause a 100 to 200 foot long football. And again, we brought it up sort of at the beginning of the story to give extra context but that style of ufo has shown up so many times over yes years. when we think of ufos we often think of these uh <laughs> boomerangs uh like the lubbock lights or the phoenix lights or we'll think of flying saucers but more commonly if you look over what's actually been seen it's what it's like the tic tac it's a yeah sort of a white glowing egg shape yep and it has like so we talked a little bit about um, the plasma, but they also claimed that it could have been ball lightning, which ball lightning, like swamp gas or weather balloons, comes up all the fucking time. It was just a terrible excuse that they used all the time. And that's simply not what ball lightning is or what it looks like. Ball lightning, first of all, predominantly happens in the sky. And mm -hmm. ball lightning, the ball, is rarely ever larger than, say, a basketball. Yeah, it's It is typically... not 200 fucking feet long. Could you imagine a ball of pure electricity that was... 200 feet what yeah um ball lightning is typically only found between the size of a pea and at most a meter long yeah yeah and the thing with ball lightning is it's incredibly loud and incredibly blue well three people witnessed the blue light there was no uniform description for the object and, and the lights were described as green as well at least in mm -hmm. the lubbock case yeah and while they did say a lot of heat and a lot of sound, there is a big difference between a gush of wind sound and constant arcing that a ball of lightning would Absolutely. Like, put on a video. Maybe I'll put a Tesla coil video behind us so people can hear the snapping and the popping. But that's what it would have sounded like. Yeah. Versus, you know, again, we can... Uh, you can talk about most UFO stories, but Travis Walton, when... He got abducted. What was it? It was an incredibly bright light that he touched and he disappeared. Yep. If you go to the Battle of the Big Sky, when those UFOs showed up, there was one case where the U Air Force tried to cover up a person actually getting hurt. And he called he into touched his... touched it and it blew his arm off. Yeah, it was and he called into his commanding officer beforehand and was like, hey, we got a situation down here. You should get down here. And he was like, yeah, sure. And then and the said, dude blew his arm off. I'm going to touch it. <laughs> yeah. uh, so when we're talking about glowing and full of energy i'm quicker to think of what travis walton encountered or maybe what we saw in montana versus it being a big scary ball of plasma or something yeah so when they actually wrote uh project blue book like it was they, sitting on the road they said that Cesedo's account could not be relied upon See? He only had a grade school education. Like that has anything to do with being able to identify a 200 foot long glowing fucking wiener mobile. Yeah. Like, you don't have to know how to read. Cavemen. Fuck. <laughs> this gets me all hot. But like the Anunnaki, the Sumerians, invented language specifically so they could describe what happened. He only had a grade school education and had no concept of direction and was conflicting his answers. That's the most racist shit. In, in the whole world. In the view of stormy weather conditions, an electrical phenomenon such as ball lightning or St. Elmo's fire seemed to be the most probable cause. 
that killed the vehicles of 15 people. And would you like to tell them what the Air Force's official explanation for the issues with the vehicles was? The engine failures mentioned by the eyewitnesses were blamed on, quote, wet electrical circuits. Now, I will say that if you get your alternator wet and it's exposed, your car will die. In order for 15 people across a 100-mile radius around a city to not only be bullshitting about the giant floating orb they all saw, heard, felt, emanated heat from, but also killed their vehicles in the exact same way. No, they all suddenly just drove through the same puddle or the identical puddles in different locations. Because that's the only way you can kill your vehicle with water. I mean, you could bore it in the engine, but the only real fast way you could do it, like when you're mudding and stuff, you can definitely kill an alternator. But that, I just don't buy that. Plus, when you, like... It wouldn't cause... Now, alternator fault would cause the one vehicle didn't die all the way. The the auxiliary stuff died. That is 100%. That sounds like an alternator issue to me, Mm -hmm. which means it's a magnet issue, which we're going to get into in a second, because I know that you have a theory about the magnet issue. Yeah. But it doesn't, to me, feel... Explain that. Explain how that happened. Explain how that alternator only faded but didn't completely die because in order you can't get it wet and cause it to fade. It's an electrical coil. It'll short out and mm-hmm. not work because it's wet or it won't. It does not fade. It only fades when it's dying or when it's being affected by magnets. And the other thing is even if it was a wet alternator and they were driving and it stalled what then when they were sitting there it dried up and it caused the cars to restart themselves manually yeah yeah they all dried around the same time like it's just bananas it's all made up another thing that they said was since there was no tangible evidence uh in levelin on the night of november 2nd conditions were ideal for the formation of ball lightning for several days the area had experienced freak weather on the night in question had been visited by rain thunderstorms and lightning Anybody who's ever lived in West Texas can tell you that the weather can be dramatic. It can change a lot. I lived in the Sonoran Desert, and you can go from actual 100 degrees to snow. But that doesn't mean that there's... We never see balls of light popping up because of it. Said, since ball lightning is short-lived and cannot be preserved as tangible evidence... Its appearance for the night of November 2nd can never absolutely be proved. Only the saucer proponents could have converted so trivial a series of events... A few stalled automobiles, balls of flame in the sky at the end of the thunderstorm. A few into a national mystery. A few stalled automobiles, dude. Over the course of four hours, fifteen people. It's so fifteen people called the police. Yeah, how many people didn't call the police? Yeah, it's so patronizing to be like, "Hey, I saw this giant illuminated thing in the sky, and it killed my vehicle." No, you didn't. Your car's a little wet, and that guy over there, well, he's too Mexican to be smart. So, like, it's just the most clear, garbage, racist, like... 50s U.S. government. Yeah. You don't know what you're talking about. We are the all-seeing. Yeah, I think that, like, this notion that people have, um, we touched on at the beginning of the podcast, of being afraid of the government, largely comes, I think it's the same type of fear that, like, a shitty dad instills in somebody, which is just, like... Until you know better, I'll make it clear to you that I can fucking end you. And it just feels that way because it feels like these really lame intimidation tactics to get people. Like, it's such a fucking home run of a lie to be like, no, that's not what you saw. Dude, it is. It shook my fucking truck. Yeah, but you're too dumb. To what? To what? To not (laughs) feel the heat? Like, it's a, how dumb do you think a person can be? So in Men in Black, where they have the, the stick where they're like, 
uh, please look right into here. There's... We find out in reality, they, they put on their sunglasses and they're like, all right, so if you could just look right here, <laughs> fucking dummy, you didn't see shit. <laughs> see that? Two of them. All right, have a good day. <laughs> Weather balloon. <laughs> what so, happened? I saw a UFO. You saw a UFO? Do you want to get deported? I didn't see a UFO. Ah, that's what we thought. <laughs> it's like Bo Burnham and Sacco. Say it. <laughs> Look at me. Say, Say it. it. <laughs> hey, college kid, did you see a UFO? Uh, yeah. How do you want free college? I no longer saw a UFO. You no longer saw a UFO. That's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I thought. Hey, dude driving through, you got a warrant out for your arrest. <laughs> Don't know if he did or not, but we're going with that. Got a warrant out. You see a UFO? Uh, no, I didn't. That's what I thought. Keep driving, buddy. If All right, anyone else see a UFO? Because I got plenty of pot. I can plant it on anybody I need to. Get over here. The the real men in black is people just bullying people into not admitting they saw aliens. <laughs> what happened? Yeah, I was just sitting at my house and I saw a creature run across my front yard. Cool. Well, I just downloaded two terabytes of child porn on your computer, so are you going to tell anyone about that? Um, I guess not. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> I'm writing. I'm gonna write my own book. <laughs> I know. It's just the Men in Black, but they just bully people into not admitting what they saw. That's the CIA. That's just uh, actually true. the CIA. Yeah. So Caleb, uh, we've we've reached the fun, the twilight of the podcast, which is our favorite part, where we talk about what we think was happening. Yes. So why don't you tell them first of all what you think? Uh, talk about magnets. Talk about the craft. Tell us because go back to Bob Lazar. Yeah. So as we were sitting here doing discovery, we were talking about cars like stopping and stuff, and what would cause that. And as someone who has had nothing but kind of old cars my whole life, uh, I'm very familiar with the engine shutting down, oh, the yeah. battery dying, <laughs> the alternate uh, alternator dying. And one thing that I thought about was, and you touched up on, and they kind of used, they're like, well, ball lightning has such a strong magnetic field that it was discharging the battery and it was causing things to happen. And I was thinking about that, and it got me thinking back to Bob Lazar. If you don't know Bob Lazar, there's a great documentary about him on Netflix. Yeah. But Bob Lazar is a UFO expert. I will gladly call him an expert. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah, 100%. Who um, worked for the government at one point and has stated that he worked at Area 51 trying to figure out how a recovered aircraft functioned. Yep. He was put in charge of the understanding the propulsion system. And in that, the way the aircraft functioned was there was a tube going down from the middle of the aircraft with this arm on a pivot and the arm on a pivot had a cylindrical thing on it he wasn't quite sure what it was we don't have the technology to power it or really understand what it was but he said that it gave off strong magnet fields his hypothesis was that the way these aircrafts work is that arm goes in whatever direction you want to move and causes a great magnetic field that essentially pulls the air around the craft magnetically and zips it around it. Yeah, so it uses magnetic propulsion. Magnetic propulsion where instead of being like, like if you think of a car, the wheel is catching on the ground and moving you forward. 
He's saying, what if instead your car was stationary and your wheels were so powerful it dragged the road underneath you? Yeah. That's how he thought it worked. Well, like maglev trains, the way that like Japanese bullet trains, the maglev trains, the way they work, that's magnetic levitation, is you have polar opposite magnets. So underneath the train, you have a, an electromagnet that's mm -hmm. you know, negative, and then you have a positive grounded one to the rail. And the higher you turn up that energy, the more resistance there's going to be between the two, and the force of it going forward it allows it to it pushes that proportion forward just like it's a rail not, gun yeah it's just like a rail gun it's by no means it's likely alien technology in the sense that the capacitors necessary the ability to you know hold on to that much energy without problems we are not capable of just like quantum levitation we have figured out quantum levitation but we just you can't need do it a superconductor and you need a superconductor that is extremely cold at all times you can see videos of people making quantum levitation by having a rail of copper and magnets that they get super, super cold, and then they take another magnet that they put in liquid nitrogen, get it super, super cold, have it levitating, and you push it, and it'll keep going until it heats up, and it falls off. Then it falls off, yeah. So, yeah. Could it be possible that quantum levitation is how this thing works, and magnets is how it works? Yes, we just can't do it. Well, and we've talked about this a little bit before, like our greater, we won't talk about the greater theory too much, but I think that uh, alien craft employ, I think whatever aliens we're dealing with are from a planet that has either two suns or a larger star or is closer to it, but it, it seems like they have a higher tolerance to radiation because mm -hmm. we seem to see these crafts, A, they showed up a lot more after World War II, which if you were a radioactive sensitive people and you were looking out into the universe and a lot of your understanding your measuring sticks were based on radiation, you'd start seeing a whole bunch from somewhere else out in the galaxy, and it would be very intriguing. Yes. Because if you were a very ra radioactive country, you might think, oh shit, a new one's being born. Incorrect. A different one's kind of trying to destroy itself with radiation. Yeah, and um, one thing, this is going to be a funny thing to say, but I, I was talking about this exact podcast episode before we recorded it while I was at therapy, my therapist brought up his thoughts, and his thoughts is there, like we said earlier, statistically has to be life that's out there that's more advanced than us, and he believes that there are life forms out there that look at us the same way that we look at monkeys. Yeah. We are, we are still so close to the tree compared to them, where they're like, well, we're not going to interfere with them right now. We'll make sure they don't blow each other up, but they got a long way to go. So let's just keep them under wraps, keep them in a zoo. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, every so often, like that video that I'm pretty sure I've talked about multiple times, where a monkey picks up a rock and breaks the glass of his enclosure at the zoo, when that happens, maybe we'll step in. Yeah. Like we've talked about, well, when we get nuclear weapons ready, yep. they swoop in, they disarm them. But other than that, let's stay in the shadows. Yeah, because we see them all the time in those situations, and it seems like a fact-finding mission. And the thing you said is that it felt as though that craft was scanning the vehicles, yeah. right? Like Maybe yeah. that's the magnetic output that it was putting. That's what I was saying earlier while we were doing Discovery. I haven't brought it up yet, but the first thing that came to my mind was in the Transformers movie, when Bumblebee transforms from the uh, beetle to the Camaro. Yeah. He goes up and he scans the Camaro and he turns into it. My thought was these were essentially checkpoints. So there was a recon UFO essentially parked where he knew that these cars were coming through. They would pull up to him. He would shut them off to make sure if they weren't like tanks or like 
SAM trucks or anything like that. He would disable them, scan them, get the information he needed, and skedaddle. Yeah. Because if it was magnetically uh, propulsed, too, easily shut those down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean... Uh, well, and I when you brought it up to me, I you know, I my immediate thought was, say this craft, you know, we're in theoretical land here, but say this craft is magnetically powered in a way that draws energy from around it. They could just be doing it on accident. They might not even understand that that's just yeah. The they might not they even have. be shutting it down. Yeah, they might not. They just know when we get close to their cars, they can't do shit. I mean, it's look, like when you grab a cat by the nape of its neck, which you shouldn't do when it's old because it hurts. Yeah, but they freeze up because it's a natural instinct. It could just be like, well, we just ha- we don't. They don't know why our cars don't move when they're close to us, but they're like, but they don't. Yeah. Or, I mean, look how many times everyone listening, I know personally, I've done it too, have accidentally demagnetized. Your hotel key. Oh, yeah. You yeah. put it in the same pocket your phone's in. All of a sudden, you go to open your door, and it doesn't work. You weren't consciously doing that, but you had something that caused that magnetic field to stop working. Absolutely. Unbeknownst to you. Yeah, totally. And, you know, Which I Which is why it always cracks me up when I see people with the wallets that are attached to the back of their phones, and they put their credit cards in there, and they're like, yeah, I don't know, I've been having troubles with it. It's like, well, yeah, because maybe it- you're putting the magnetic strip right next to the thing that runs off radio waves? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, a related note, but I learned recently that RFID was technology in cards that was basically abandoned as soon as it was developed, and every RFID wallet is a scam because no card has RFID in it anymore. Yeah. And I thought that was really funny and hasn't for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've never really investigated it, but I thought that was funny. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, the. Uh, I put my cell phone in a microwave and now it doesn't work anymore. I don't know what happened. <laughs> it doesn't have buttons, they're not melted. Troom uh, Troom told me it would charge it in 30 seconds. <laughs> they lied. Did you see that? Uh, this is, we're totally talking about it now, but China, um, uh, there's a phone manufacturer that now has a 200 watt wide charging system that will get you to 10% in 45 seconds. That's terrifying. That's sick. That sounds like a great way to make a bomb. Yeah, probably, probably. Well, you know, so these UFOs, speaking of bombs, uh, I wonder what they were doing specifically in Lubbock other than keeping an eye on Texans. It seems like, I mean, we see a lot of... (laughs) They're worried about Texas seceding and becoming their own planet. Well, the, yeah, is, <laughs> that's why Elon Musk is there. He's actually going to turn it into a space he's station. He's building one <laughs> rocket underneath Texas, and he's going to launch all of Texas into space. People are like, Starbase, get it? Because that's like, because it's like, no, he means like no, he's, he's going to be Texas in into a it's, planet. Yeah, it's going to be a small colony. It's big enough to be a planet. I think Texas is bigger than Mars, if I'm being honest. <laughs> you could fit six Marses onto Texas. <laughs> well, you, could th- you could fit three Earths onto Texas. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you know that. Everything's bigger there. The, the, it's <laughs> only true that way. It's a transitive property. because everything's, everything's smaller big. because everything's bigger in Texas. <laughs> so you bring something into Texas... All of a sudden, it's smaller than it was in the outside world. You think? Because Texas is larger. Yeah, do you think the UFOs are larger when they get there? Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I love this one. I think it's a really interesting case. I think it speaks very much to the cover-ups. I mean, now, at this point, if you don't believe that UFOs are real, I you're dumb. You're just, I'm sorry, but it's super duper clear it's not even a question anymore it's not you know we were joking we're gonna we're gonna hit the roswell ufo conference this year so Mm -hmm. watch out for that um video incoming but it's gonna be weird this year because usually those conferences are like a bunch of people 
um, coming together, convinced that they know what they're talking about, but yeah. there's nobody else on their side. And because of COVID and everything else, there really hasn't been like a big one since everything was confirmed. So it just, I feel like it's going to be a victory lap the whole time. It's just a lot of I told you so's. <laughs> in previous <laughs> years, it was so's. like, yeah, man, why don't anyone believe us? Blah, blah, blah. What? what we have all this evidence. Now it's going to be like, yeah, so do you, like, want to buy a poster or <laughs> just, like, no one's excited to talk yeah, about they got it? Nothing. They're like, yeah, so, like, I wrote this book about what I thought, but I guess I'm wrong, honestly. <laughs> I know, it's going to be fun. People are going to start being wrong about stuff because we're going to start getting real proof. They're going to be right, but they're also going to be more wrong than they were right, even though they were, they're more right than they were wrong than people thought. If that follows. Nobody followed that. I tell you, the sky's blue. <laughs> I tell you, the sky's red. And everyone's like, oh, no, the sky's blue. And then the government says, actually, it's magenta. And I'm like, well, I mean, I was more right than you guys, but I'm still technically wrong. <laughs> yeah, the UFO thing has been fun. It's been really fun to see it sort of come to light. And not just like... I don't know, not for the just the like the George Knapps of the world, like mm -hmm. and the Jeremy Corbells. Like those people are fine, but I think it's fun for. There are so many everyday people. If all goes right, we're going to get to do an interview this week with uh, an everyday person who had a UFO alien abduction experience, and that's why we have the hotline. Like we're very interested in everybody's stories. Everybody knows the big stories, or not mm -hmm. everybody does, but there's some well-known stories you know things like this or tv shows around these things we like to hear the individual stories because i believe the ufos are real so i believe the people who feel like they've had interactions now not everybody some people are blowing smoke but i think a lot of people are telling the truth and it's going to be interesting uh the next well however many years uh it takes to like really fully confirm it because people are going to slowly feel i think a lot better however i do wonder if the so here's what i'll end on the QAnon question. UFOs being real could theoretically embolden some conspiracy theories, mm -hmm. but it's got to really damage some other ones. And what's nice oh, yeah. about it is it's such a tent pole in the greater conspiracy world that I feel like what are really religious people going to do? If you, like, if aliens are real, like, what who's god then like because that re i feel like that really well, mixes then, things up for you you could easily just be like well god made aliens too because he created everything well what do the aliens have to say about that you know what i mean probably <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> melt your fucking brain what was the arrival it was just trying to figure out one word <laughs> i uh i like to think of it as the monty python skit the world's funniest joke like aliens come to us and they say one thing and our brains just kind of try to comprehend it and just instantly explode. <laughs> but to them, they're like, hey, guys, what's up? And to us, it's like, <laughs> hey, guys, welcome back. <laughs> Boom. And I both actually make my head explode. This is I love this case. Uh, I'm glad. I hope everybody who listened enjoyed it as well. It's a really interesting one. And while the UFOs are a great part of it, as I mentioned, they're definitely a less mysterious part of it. So mm -hmm. I think one of the cooler things to take away from it is how the government has changed the way that they go about trying to cover things up that they can't get away with just being like uh, swamp gas yeah. anymore. We don't fall for it anymore. <laughs> now they're just like, yeah, you okay, you're right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it does really feel that way. The, the greater like tone to the narrative definitely feels like, uh, okay, yeah, geez, guys, there are UFOs. Okay, they are. <laughs> Fine, whatever. We're at the I told you we should have told them. We're at the part of the coming of age uh, middle school movie 
where the government has been the bully the whole time, where it's like, I saw a UFO, and they're like, you saw what? And at this part, we're like, we saw a UFO, and the bully's like, you saw what? And we didn't flinch, and we're like, we saw a UFO. And like six kids behind and you saying, dad doesn't love you. <laughs> and the government's like, <sighs> my powers, it just melts. Turns to sand like the snap. Another, they're in the lunchroom, like Spartacus, another kid goes, and I saw a UFO. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kid, that's and what, I, I, was, saw that's what I was thinking. Yeah. They slowly all stand up as like, the fucking triumphant music begins to play. That one art house kid that every high school has, he goes, I'm Spartacus. I know the original. <laughs> <laughs> I've totally seen this movie. <laughs> Uh, you guys but, seen Pulp Fiction? <laughs> I man, with how many people are going to be outside this year? Last year, you know, we got to see some really interesting things when people had to go inside, like the jellyfish showing back up in the canals of Venice and stuff like that. I wonder if we're not just going to have a litany of UFO sightings this summer. I mean, there's already been a lot this year. I'm just one step closer to fucking aliens. So that's Dude, all I, I cannot <laughs> fucking wait. It's the only bucket list item I care about anymore in my life. It's the only thing I want to do. I want to write a book and I want to fucking alien. And depending on which order I get it to... I might be writing a book about fucking an alien. Yeah, dude, that's, all you gotta do is fucking alien to write a book, because then that's what your book's about. <laughs> New York best or New York Times bestseller author Caleb with his book "How I Fucked an Alien." It's like the pickup artist, but it's about fucking aliens. <laughs> it's the secret, but with aliens, the top secret. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, no, I think aliens would be a bottom. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was funny. They wouldn't because they're more advanced. Yeah. Yeah. They like probing too much to be a bottom. <laughs> well, with all that, uh, this has been Sorry, a fucking Mom. yeah. It's been a fucking fun episode. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Uh, we're back to talking about UFOs. We will be back next week. We promise. Uh, yeah, hopefully you didn't miss us too much over the last week. If you did, I hope you uh, solved that by listening to every one of our previous episodes and get some friends to watch episodes too. Yeah, by all means, share it with. Them. Uh, remember, we're getting dangerously close to our subscriber count. We are. Yeah. Once we hit, what did we say? 69, 69 baby. 69 subscribers. I believe we're at 54 right yep. now. We got a signed, still sealed, original copy of Rush Hour. It's, it's all yours. Right here. And then after that, once we hit another milestone, we got another cool thing to give away. We do. We got a couple cool things. So uh, show your friends. Show your family. Yeah. Show your family's friends. Show your friends' families. <laughs> uh, show some strangers. It's what I do at work. I somehow always shoehorn it into a conversation. <laughs> if you're one of the customers that I served recently and you found your way here, Good to see you again. Hope you made it home safe. Um, <laughs> other than that, thank you guys so much for joining us. Yeah, and don't forget about, I'll put it on the screen again right now, but don't forget about the hotline. Please, buy, it, it's not a trick. It's not, it doesn't cost anything. It yep. is legitimately a phone. Yeah, uh, it's 100% us. It's not one of those weird YouTuber like mailing lists. No, it's not. We some... send you the mass text. We're like, Oh my god, fan name. It's so good to hear no, from you. No, it's sitting right over there. We it's an actual it. phone. We will not sell your number to anywhere. No, you can get us on Signal. You can get at us on Telegram. If, you, if you're worried about that sort of thing, we understand anonymity. By all means, we won't share anything. We also anything. won't make fun of you. Like, no. that's the big thing. Like, No, we 100% promote the belief in these things. So if you have a cool story to share with us, we're not here to put you on and humiliate you. We want to celebrate it. We want to talk about it. If you want to talk to us, if you'd like to do an interview, by all means, reach out to us because we love to talk to the people who've been there and who've experienced these things. Yeah. And once again, 
uh, Instagram and Twitter. We're yeah. on there. Give us a follow. We do fun stuff there sometimes. I'm yeah, mostly not very funny on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Patreon. We have one of those as well. Yeah. Um, if you'd like a subliminal shout out in the podcast, yeah, yep. we can we can facilitate that. If you'd like to become a member of the of the Sassy Nation, become a Ford Explorer, support the mothership. And uh, for me personally, if you have some cool UFO encrypted art, uh, reach out to us too. Yeah, I'm looking for art to uh, decorate some places. So yeah, if you got some cool stuff, let me know. We should set up a PO box, I suppose, huh? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let us know, guys, because we'd love to see it. So thank you guys for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, have a fucking great day. Have a good one. I guess. No, if you watched our podcast, I'm putting this at the end so everyone who watches this knows you <laughs> never watch your own podcast. I do watch it. He doesn't. I will spend the next five hours tonight editing this. I'll watch it. Getting it done, and he won't even look at it. I just haven't watched the last episode. 22 views, and not a single one of them is from Chef Cal Hancock. I got a little bit busy last week. <laughs> you had plenty of downtime just waiting around, you know? <laughs> Funerals are born. Okay. Huh? Yeah, no, it's sad. I'm watching my own podcast. Watching my own podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, tissue, thanks. Uh, God, I look good. God, this is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right.